Hey listeners, hello, this is Marsha Epstein and I am at the dining room table with my guest, which is always cool. Today is August 7th of 2018 and I have to start with a shout out to one of my favorite musicians, my brother Harold. Happy birthday. Hey, he has with our brother Rob and some other awesome people, this delightful band called Toe Jam. Jam Acoustic Band, although they are electrified and electrifying, and they are great to hear, play a lot in the Kansas City area. Um, I want to wish Harold a very wonderful day. He deserves that. He is a wonderful person in his many roles of brother and father and dad and friend and all those things that we get to be. He does them very well. He's the kind of person you want in your life. I love you, Harold. Happy birthday. Yay. <laughs> so again, if you're in KC area sometime and you see this weird name, Toe Jam, what kind of band is that? Just go check them out. They're deadheads and this is and that's, you know, lovely, mostly strings, drums, of course. All good. All good. All good. So I am thinking a lot about events because my guest with me today and I are involved with three that are coming up from September 10th till October 19th, which are kind of four, I guess, actually, because one involves a Friday and a Saturday. So between September 10th and October 20th, a bunch of stuff going on, and she's one of the people going on with it, <laughs> and it's going to be great. So I'm just going to say, well... Tell us, who are you talking about? What are you talking about? I'm going to tell you who I'm talking about first, and then we'll kind of sprinkle in those events, have those links sent out to people available, all that good stuff. Welcome, Macy Webb. Thank you. I, uh, I've never been to your house. It's really lovely. It's really weird because, because Jessica, at least our, the person who is the reason who I why I met you, this probably moment. for the first, I'm sure for the very first time would have been at guests like Gardens, right, for one of the um, one of the Red, Red Tail readings. I'm sure that's what it was. At that point was hosted by the lovely Megan McHenry. Yay, Megan. Megan, Megan, <laughs> Megan, love you. Um, so we met, and I'm one of those people who doesn't make any assumptions. So, yeah, I knew you were with Jess, but, uh, you know, I'm not what. I'm not going to be nosy. I'm not going to make any assumptions. But yes, I'll give you both a ride home to her house, which happens to be across the street from mine. And it uh, turned out just to be real handy. Yeah. Turned out nicely. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And you just came to the um, Story Circle the January after that, remember, for yeah. the U.S. Department of Arts and Culture? I do recall so that. So I got to know a little bit about you, not just your poetry at that time, because the story circles, huge shout out. Look sometime at usdac.us, which is this national organization that is nothing to do with the government, all about people and belonging and value and art and culture being things that are essential to our well being. So elevate them, use them, value them, cherish them. Um, every year, there is this thing called the People's State of the Union that is created by stories that are shared across our country, right? These different places, story circles are shared, 
those stories who from people who want them to do to be are uploaded into this national portal. There is a crew of poets who are part of the national USDAC who read all of those stories and create a poetic state of the union. And then there is a, a national event where that poem is shared, it's live streamed, it's also videoed, and this is an annual event, late January, early February. So wherever you are, um, at least in the United States, because um, I have to give a shout out to Jana Carlson in Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> Very far away. <laughs> Who won't be here with us when we do story circles in the USA? But hey, you could do them in Sweden as well. <laughs> you know, and we'll explain a, Yana later. <laughs> it was a really pleasant event. I I hadn't really been social in like any of the kind of artistic circles. Uh -huh. I hadn't really felt like I'd been involved in Lawrence culture at all uh -huh. um, until I met Jess, and she kind of you know she does stuff. Yeah, just just was a doer of things. Yes, and she was just like real pumped about uh, this particular event and kind of drug me to it but then it was it was really nice to sit down with a bunch of people that I had no idea who they were yeah. and just learn a little bit about a bunch of people real fast yes yeah it was it was really pleasant and thinking about people that were in that room so at that time Dave Lowenstein who is this major muralist community activist wonderful person really known internationally he's done work in lots of places not just in the middle of the USA and it's all about bringing people into art, right? Those community mural projects are amazing. Absolutely. And Connie, right? Connie, who mm -hmm. is, I think of her as the leader of what's going on in Lawrence, women of color muralists who are have designed um, a mural that will be come, um, will be will be painted on the uh, wall of the Lawrence Public Library, honoring women of color I'm in very the excited of Lawrence. About that. Yeah, Personally. so these cool cool people are involved with USDAC across the country, including here in Lawrence, Kansas. So great Lawrence. things happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. So tell us a little bit about you. You wrote a very cute little bio. Uh, oh, it's like, well, it's all true. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I am the child of an educator and a bit of a jack of all trades. My dad was a farmer. He was a politician for a little while. He, you know, he had auctioneering and I was real say, estate, all sorts of different Auctioneering things. happens still, right? Absolutely. In fact, most of those things that, that still are kind of occasionally part of his life. Uh -huh. um, but that's kind of how he likes to do, which is I watched him, you know, kind of growing up, just have this life where, you know, you just build relationships with people and that's how your business works also. And then, you know, that's, I mean, that's kind of an ideal for me of how life should work. And then uh -huh. my mom was an educator, so I've got the academic side also. She's kind of the same way, likes to just kind of meet interesting people and do interesting things. Uh -huh. um, but that's, I mean, that's how I started writing was when I was a little girl, I was sort of academically inclined in a particular way. And so, you know, teachers, they encourage you to, to continue writing, right? Just, oh, you're so good at this. And so I wrote poetry when I was like, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 years old. And I read the little kids literary magazines and got outlines. I don't even remember the names of them anymore. Um, and at some point, I think my parents just went like, well, if you're doing this anyways, you might as well send some stuff out. So I built all these packets. That's so cool. You know, I put together packets of like 10 poems or however many I was allowed to submit and sent them out to like, I don't know, probably another 10 magazines. Wow. And then the 
12-year-old little Macy gets to watch the mail and see all the rejection slips just start rolling in. Ah, this is blah, this is crap. Nobody wants to hear about your horses, chores, and working on a farm and being that. I mean, maybe that's true. Maybe they didn't want to hear about that. Maybe it was just really terrible writing. Um, so you're I stopped. 12 years old, man. I mean, for a long were... while. Yeah. Um, I slowed down. But then I, again, I, I'm not someone who ever remembers the things that they've written. Okay. I don't know why that's true. I, probably because I'm like parsing emotional things via words. Um, but you know, I, I started doing this poetry thing again about three years ago when Jess kind of encouraged me and Megan encouraged me. I was working with Megan uh-huh. at the time and she invited me to some events and that's how I met Jess. Uh-huh. Um, and then I don't know, maybe eight months ago, my mom brought up a trunk of just like stuff that I had at the house and uh-huh. I, I start going through it. It's like my old art portfolio from high school and she's saved things all from all the way back to third grade. And I start looking through and there's just books and books and books of me having written things. Awesome. I have no recollection of uh-huh. having written. I mean, it's all crap, but poets disclaimer, it's all crap, but, <laughs> but I obviously never stopped. So it's kind of natural. See, and I too. didn't know that you'd always written. That's I cool. didn't either. <laughs> It was also a surprise to me. <laughs> so did you haul all that stuff to your home here in Lawrence? Uh, yeah, I have a lot of it here. So yeah, um, it was actually the impetus for me to start uh, an a burn event <laughs> um, where I just, I just had already been doing Lady Fire. Lady Fire was this little kind of women's only collective of poets who got together and talked about words and we kind of gave each other a little bit of like a push, you know, with some like homeworky kind of stuff to just, you know, get together and think about words and do words regularly. Um, it dissipated, obviously, without Jess's charisma at the helm of it. Um, but, you know, and, and that seems real natural, actually, to me as well. But that's where Lurd Work ever started. Word, word, lurd, well, good Lord. <laughs> Word lurk. That's a real dangerous word now. That's a dangerous name. Lurk word. Lurk. I like it. Well, it makes also me that. think of those pictures of Jess at Percolator rearranging the letters into oh, different yeah. things, right? Yeah. I think that was her favorite thing about that particular design of the, the new sign. Uh-huh. I, oh, God. Jupiter? Someone. <laughs> I met him just the other day. He seems like a real nice dude and uh i i just we were so thrilled with the new sign if only because you could rearrange it (laughs) we spent oh several evenings just making up new percolator names (laughs) um but yeah for for part of lady fire we hosted a burn where you brought poetry that you never wanted to read again (laughs) read it once purge it into the fire done um, but that was that was prompted by me having read some of the oh crap 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 high school angsty sad boring things that I'd written <laughs> that I found in this trunk that my mom brought me up here Lawrence so because when I think about people I think about so many male poets I've met who will say that their bad poetry was it was for their love, you oh, know, goodness. and they had this bad, bad, bad love poetry that they wrote in middle school or high school or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, I'm just going to say that's not the case for me. It's definitely not the case for me. I, yeah, Lord knows what I was trying to write about, but it was not that. I was processing a lot of things. That's perfect. 
I mean, what what a great use of writing, you know, seriously. Yeah, and that is still what I'm doing, obviously. You know, I'm just processing through writing, you know. um, And like I wrote for my bio, been processing a lot of things in the last, you know, couple of years, but especially now that um, Jess passed, uh, poetry is kind of the only way that I know how to talk about that. Uh Um, So there's that's where that is. (laughs) I think... Because we both are thinking about just being together since that's who connected us. Absolutely. I think sharing a little of her story and whatever poetry you'd like to about her, that would be awesome. I've I've actually written a lot of just poetry. Um, I mean, it's been just a little bit over a year now since she passed away. Yeah. Um, but when she was diagnosed with cancer, you know, a year and a half ago, um, we were both already really involved with the poetry thing. And so, you know, I, I was writing through all of it and I think she was doing the same thing. Um, I, I, I think she knew better than anybody else that it was possibly going to be just a real quick little trip through life after that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think both of us really just, just definitely had the impetus to want to put words on paper. She did the, the What Do You Know show and yes. the Later, which was a full, long, I mean, what, hour, two hours of just Jess on stage yes. being the entertaining Jess that Jess was. Yes. Um, and yeah, I think we uh, we definitely have different styles, Jess and I do, but we both kind of made a point to make sure that like, you know, there's not, there's not loss always, that there's also creation uh-huh. involved in all of those things. Uh-huh. So. Not entirely just grief based, although a lot of the stuff that I wrote is griefy. Uh-huh. Um, some of the stuff that I've tried to write recently is a little more hopeful. Uh-huh. I guess I could try to find some of that for you. Whichever kind, because grief is about love, man. That's you know that's the beauty. Well, I've got all of it. It's all in here. Uh huh. Only got one place to put it. Actually, this I have a whole. This is a whole page of poetry about Jess um, that I kind of occasionally copy and paste over from my Facebook where it's not real public. Uh-huh. I just make all the things little locked things and forget that I wrote them until I go back and copy paste them across. Um, but this one's from just a little while ago, actually. <clears throat> just died a year ago tomorrow. And because I didn't see her, there's still a piece of my brain that wants some conspiracy theory reality to come into play, although the rational part knows that could only be worse. I never saw her body or her ashes cut off entirely from being intimate with her during the last five days of her life. I know she's dead. It's just that a piece of my brain won't believe me. I've been in chugging constant terror for two days now, wondering how my shattered body will respond to this splintered bit of psyche as I approach the anniversary of one of the most devastating events of my life. I'm leaking tears in public and talking myself through it like a crazy bitch. Everyone has been real nice so far. I can't really complain. I'm not Jess cut off from her loved ones in her final days, wondering and not being able to ask why she can't be at home, why we can't come visit, why she can't have one last smoke, where the Buddhist monk she asked for has gone off to, that he can't come explain the meaning of the universe to her one last time, just to be sure. 
This potential tragedy plays over and over in my mind today. I'm choosing to write another today. One that's a lot more like a waking dream, a long daydream that happens just after you've woken up but before you wanna think about getting out of bed. A place that time can exist because you don't know what the clock says and besides, you refuse to have clocks with the correct time in your home because chrono clock time isn't a good measure of life. The people float in and out with music and hand massages, reading books aloud and standing next to your bed with a straw held to your lips, feeding you something that tastes a lot like Miller Lite, coming to sit close with a recording of a favorite poem. One might argue that this doesn't count as consciousness, but that they're they're aberrations. The kiss, desperate like you've woken up hungry for affection, and the click, timely as anyone could ask for, just right in time with the video where the poet clicks her tongue just the same. This daydream becomes more and more dream, and then all dream, which is where Jess lives now, in the world she spent so much time creating in her head, populated by the loveliness of her life's best experiences and the perfection that she always envisioned was possible here on this plane. This makes my heart slow a bit to a rate acceptable in public, stems the tears only three sobs in, reminds me why everyone is worth it. And by everyone and worth it, I mean fucking worth it. So I go. I go out of my house and seek the clues that told Jess and could tell us all that there are good reasons to ask what good exists and build it where we can. And that's where I find her. That's beautiful. That one's pretty recent. I don't know. Yeah. I've read a couple of times on how I feel about it, but there it is. It's beautiful. <sighs> Makes me sweaty. <laughs> I don't know why that happens. Whenever I read stuff, it makes me sweat. It's real weird. I just weird, nervousy, non-performative people things. <laughs> non-performative. Ah, that's an interesting word. <laughs> Honestly, uh, Jess took me to I don't know how many poetry events before I read anything, but uh -huh. I was also on a kick where I did things because they're terrifying uh -huh. on purpose, uh -huh. which is why I still probably am doing this. Yes. It's still terrifying. Steve Loof, who is a poet who you will meet at Words Save Lives on September 10th. He's coming down from Omaha. Um, and he was at the first poetry event that I hosted at the Voice of Lawrence Poetry Slam in May of 2014. He's, he's family at this point. Oh, my gosh. I've seen some of your posts. I don't think we've ever met, but I, I've... I know that this person is obviously He's very dear awesome. to you. Yes, and so what made why his name came up is because terrifying, right? So Kyle and our dog Bo and I did this kayaking adventure in Colorado, and, and I was talking with C about it, and I said, well, it was mostly good, and one part was terrifying. And C said, terrifying is the new relaxing. <laughs> Is that true? Oh. <laughs> Relaxing is the new exhausting. And yeah, no, I get it. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, if everything's like a like a low level of like anxious at all times now, like how do you get out of it? You got to top it out. It's like people with ADD having to take, you know, some kind of an upper to like knock it back down eventually. It seems real relative. I get it. Yeah. Well, 
I'm not going to jump out of a plane, but I'm probably going to speak in public. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> that is a good thing. That is a really good thing. And it's such a good thing because this is this is one of the things that I love about those performance spaces and and having people be able to come to the mic is because there are people who are there listening and watching who are totally in those fearful moments of their own lives for different reasons, who get to see somebody doing something and saying something that they relate to. And then suddenly that audience person knows, I'm not alone, I'm not the only one. And if that person can do this thing that's so scary for her, maybe I too will be able to do some of these things that I've been longing to do. It's inspirational. Well, and if that's not in part a plug for Word Safe Lives, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I really appreciated being involved in that last year. It was, again, it was right after Jess had passed. And yeah. I really, I felt real like just, I don't know, like once I lost that like very personal connection to the poetry community, I didn't know if I, you know, still had any connection to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really appreciated being invited and involved with all of that. Yes. Um, I, I don't know how many times I couldn't even remember because brains aren't engineered to remember good things as easily as they remember bad things for whatever reason. The one Check thing Palinuk is, has a quote about that. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's true. I, he wouldn't know. Uh, uh, so yeah. good things, bad things, remembering. Yeah. Yeah. And then afterwards, you know, people do give you feedback that says things like, you know, wow, like yeah. that's not at all what I expected. It, out of you know like whatever you're going to come up and read and maybe i just seem like a more unassuming person sometimes than my words would belie but yeah it's it is terrifying but also like anytime i somebody out there heard something and went like wow okay i sort of identify with that in any particular way or yes. like that just helps me in my life like it's yes. that's all worth it yeah every single time yeah so I'm going to slide into that plug that you just kind of invited. So for people who don't know this thing, and I, a lot of times when we talk about things that, that are happening here, it's partly because, yeah, it would be awesome for you to do that wherever you are. It's not only about can you come to our event. So every year on September 10th, which is words, which excuse me, World Suicide Prevention Day, um, I organized this event that started as poetry only, just because that was the art I was connecting with at that time. And over time, it has expanded to poetry, storytelling, comedy, music, drag. Last year, uh, oh, that, was a that was the best oh. ending ever of a Word Save Live event. This year, if we're lucky, we're also going to have some of that aerial stuff from one of our local. We have a school that teaches people to do that stuff. I don't even know really what the what the label is for that stuff from long scarves, acrobatic stuff that's incredibly beautiful to watch. And you go, oh, my God, those people are so freaking strong and flexible to do that shit. Anyway, it may be that that may be part of what we have in that. exciting. Somebody that is on the NAMI Douglas County Steering Committee with me is really into cosplay. So I'm trying to get, let, let's mm. get some cosplayers yeah, in. How do you get man. that rolled in? Because all of this stuff to me is about how we connect with each other. We find our people. We need to belong. We need to know that we're valued. That is what makes life worth living. And that is suicide prevention. Absolutely. That's, that's my, my definition. 
it's not just how do you get somebody through a crisis, it's, it's how do we get back to really enjoying life even with the downs as well as the ups, you know? So Word Save Lives is this community building event. It's not, let's go talk about suicide for two hours. It's let's <laughs> laugh and we may cry and we may have all kinds of different things. We'll leave with some new friends, hopefully. You know, it's this great thing. And this year, September 10th happens to be on a Monday. Somebody said, why would you do a month an event on a Monday? It's like, because the event is always on September 10th. So sometimes it's going to be on a Monday. Last well. year it was on a Sunday. Um, this year it's going to be at Lawrence Creates Makerspace at 9th in New Jersey. And Makerspace is just doing, just incredibly being supportive, um, letting us do this under, in their literal space under their roof, letting us uh, be part for that night of their 501c3, which deals with some of the logistics of donations and that kind of stuff. And, for sure. And encouraging some of their artists who are part of that collective to help with the setup and getting some of those people involved as performers. That's where the aerial acrobatic thing is coming because oh, that's part yes. of makerspace these days. There is space for so it. So if there. that, yeah, so they they they're ready. I mean, they they set up there periodically when they do things anyway. So nice. so this cool thing that's about getting people together and getting a diverse set of people on the stage as well as in the audience, right? Mm -hmm. Last year, I mean, we've had, I think the youngest performer so far was a couple years ago when that person at that time was maybe 13. I can't remember exactly how old she was at that time, but she was, she was a young person reading her powerful poetry. And, and a dear friend, John Musgrave, who's a Vietnam combat vet and who mm -hmm. writes poetry. I mean, just different, you know, as many different people obvious visible diversity and not visible diversity, you know, at the mic going, hey, we all belong, we all are valuable, we all enjoy each other, you know, we have good things to share, good things to learn, you know, that for me, approaching life as everybody is a student and a teacher, everybody, mm -hmm. you know, we all have things to teach each other. So this, this awesome event, so it's coming up on September 10th, it's one of the things that you will be at the mic, C will be at the mic, a lot of different things will be happening, and I'm, I'm always super excited about it, so, yeah. yeah. That's also, that's, I think that's the first time I saw Word Save Lives was at Makerspace, okay. initially. Yeah. Um, and that's just reminded me that that may have been the first time I saw Rhonda Reed as well, okay. Rhonda Miller. Rhonda Miller is amazing. Yeah, so that's some good stuff right person. there. Yeah, <laughs> and, and from, from and, and you, and your, yeah, Rhonda has, just hard-hitting personal stories and fun and sexy and all these different tones in her work, right? And you mentioned that poem. You didn't say which one you were talking about, but the Peach poem by Annette Billings. And that oh, will yes. be part of this this year as well. Oh, and, I, uh, you know, uh, I I think that Jess and Annette just had a really special connection Yes, from going to the, the open mic, the speakeasy open mic out in Topeka uh -huh. so much. Um, our first Valentine's Day together, Jess and I, it was the, maybe the first time Annette had been doing this, but she did poemograms for Valentine's Day yes. and she recorded that poem for me. And then I sent it to Jess. Uh, um, and then uh, obviously, you know, I had the recording still. I yes. have been not able to play it on my current phone recently, but at the time I still could while yeah. she was in hospice in Wichita. And so I was, I would play it for her and she would click. Yes. With it. It, yes. Yeah. Just, I don't, 
Yes. Lord knows where that comes from. Well, a, an older version of Annette reading it is on Annette's website. So ah, if you gotcha. want to hear it in Annette's voice, which I sometimes do. Yeah, it won't sound it won't sound quite like you hear it now because you know I can I can hear the difference between that recording that's several years old and the way that when I see it here in that so all this uh, yeah all this wonderful thing and and you know when you say that I you know, I, I also think about when Annette um, did Annette Billings her book release at Raven Bookstore mm -hmm. um, and when she declared a moment of loud <laughs> that was perfect yeah. right perfect, absolutely perfect. okay so I wanted us to acknowledge Jessica Elise as connection as this beautiful person as this person who lives inside so many so many ways you know and i want to get back to you yeah she's part of you part of your life part of your experience part of your heart always and you are that and and lots more and you've been writing and and i mentioned yana carlson at the beginning yeah. so so what's your connection with this swedish madman <laughs> well it was uh, it's real low-key honestly uh -huh. um again from the World Word Save Lives, Ronna Miller connection. There's Tara Bartley uh -huh. doing her little radio show out in Topeka now. Yeah. Um, God, what is it? Sunflower. Sunflower Sutras. Yes. Yeah. Um, and she is somebody that I met through, again, the speakeasy kind of crowd. And, and she's going to be at Word Save Lives again, too. Lovely. Yes. That's fantastic. Um, she had submitted a poem to Yana's website when uh -huh. he was Capacci uh -huh. when he was taking submissions, which kind of um, encouraged me to do the same because I, you know, like, I don't know, I know somebody who did a thing and it, uh -huh. means it feels like I can do a thing. Yeah. Just that same yeah. kind of is possible thing. Um, and so once she had submitted, I went over to his site and kind of scrolled through and I enjoy a sense of humor. He's a weird guy. <laughs> <laughs> which I have a great appreciation for uh -huh. weird. Uh -huh. um, and yeah, so I, I submitted a poem to his, his site and he put it up uh -huh. um, and then he put another one up. Uh -huh. um, yeah. And so now we're, now we're just Facebook friends and apparently we have a lot of mutual friends. It's yeah, it's real yeah. weird. I don't know him real well, Very but cool. yeah. he's a yeah. strange guy and I like it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Svensk Apache is his publishing. Uh, so you can find that. Yana, J-A-N-N-E Carlson, K-A-R-L-S-S-O-N. He's an artist, illustrator, and he's a writer, and he's a publisher. And then he also does this cool stuff, helping troubled youth and just, and and shout out to Michaela. He and those two that got married in May and, and oh, life sweet. sounds wonderful, you know? And so there's like, there's, there are these connections. I was thinking about that kind of, spider webby kind of look of how this person's <laughs> connected you know and we have all these overlaps and and we meet people in different ways and a lot of the people that we meet in 2018 we actually are not physically in the room with right so i've true. never i've never been in a room with yana um the the person who i um the reason that i met yana is because of Wolfgang Karstens, who's a poet and publisher, Epic Rights Press. Uh, Wolf will actually be coming to Lawrence on sure. October yeah. 11th, yes. and this is another connection with Macy. So, so anyway, so so um, there's this big event in Kansas City, Fountain Verse, Casey's Small Press, 
Poetry Fest, October 12th through 14th. Look it up. Be there if you can. People are coming from all over, including Wolfgang Karstens coming from Sherwood Woods. Yeah, I think that's right. Sherwood, Sherwood Park, I think. I think it's Sherwood Park. Near Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Coming from far away to the middle of the USA. And so he's coming for Fountainverse and he's coming to Lawrence <laughs> for a day. Rob Plath is dear to me. I have a picture, a painting of Mud Dog Bo that Rob's Rob created. Oh. That that Rob is Rob is gonna be here. Todd Cirillo. Yeah. Okay. Todd Cirillo <laughs> from um, New Orleans. Those three who are coming to Fountainverse or coming to Lawrence for Thursday, May 11th, an event at um, the Lucia Beer Garden downtown. And our local featured poets are Macy Webb and Barry Barnes. And we're going to have this cool night of poetry. And it's just, yeah. So so there's all these, these people connecting. And some of us will be in the same place for the first time ever, even though there's this, this friendship, this deep connection from conversations by voice and keyboard for several years or more recently. It's like, yes, this web of connection is a real thing. It's a really, you know, you could, I, I couldn't trace it all. Like how, how did I, who connected me to Wolfgang and who connected me to this? Uh -huh. And what are the other branches of that? It's, it's I often awesome. have that same trouble, but it's kind of a nice problem to have. Yes, and that's that's the art connection thing for me. You know, Absolutely. it's like it literally is a way that we build a community, that we share important stuff, you know, and and like for you, that that terrifying that you're pushing yourself to do in, enhances you in, in other parts of your life when there's something else you need to do that's like, okay, I was able to be at the mic in front of those people. Yes, I probably could do this thing too. <laughs> right, yeah, absolutely. I mean, just um, the way that I've suddenly become like connected over the past three or so years to a variety of different communities in Lawrence that I never kind yeah. of imagined even existed. Yeah. It's like, what would, what was I doing with my time before? Obviously, yeah. you yeah. know, wasting it because yeah. I could have been hanging out of the percolator and doing intersection repair with uh, that little, yeah. little group or yeah. poetry or who yeah. knows what. All kinds yeah. of cool things going on. And then your work is at the Cat Clinic. <laughs> it is. Yes, it is. Uh, Cat Clinic of Lawrence. It's right there on Mass. And I think a lot of people kind of drive church. past it. It used to be it. the Christian Science Reading Room. Yeah, they still get mail for them. <laughs> I know that because I'm the receptionist. And uh, yeah, my actually my dad knew that it was the old Christian Science Church or whatever. And uh, they renovate it, and now it's a now it's a vet's office, but uh -huh. only for kitties. Uh -huh. um, so my life is just kitties all day, uh -huh. and that's real nice. Uh -huh. um, another thing that happened when that trunk showed up at my house was that I opened, you know, this trunk, and there's all of this artwork from my mom having saved art from whenever I was, you know, however young. Uh -huh. And she did at some point just send me a little text message. She was like. I hope you've opened the trunk and found that you have always been drawing kitties. Uh, I, had no, I didn't know I was doing that either. Uh -huh. I mean, you grew up on a farm and you just like animals and stuff, but apparently I have always just connected real well with some really jerky kitties that are just amazing. <laughs> That's yeah. an interesting metaphor and real life experience. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Waskar. Waskar Medina. Yes, that uh, praise his name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, 
I, I started meeting him at the speakeasy thing and I, I had written about a, a kitty cat. I think it was of all the meows that ever meowed, I miss your meow the most uh, because I'd had a kitty run away when I moved to Lawrence. And afterwards he came up to me and kind of whispered in my ear and he was like, I like to write about my kitties too. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thank you, sir. <laughs> when I think of Huascar, I also think of Emery Dirks, who's from Sublina. He would say, and he smells so good too. <laughs> this is true. And he's an amazing, oh, he's a fantastic karaoke singer. Singer, Imagine. dancer, actor, no poet, the yeah, a human being, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully, he was at the first, that the first place I met, Huascar was at the first Word Save Lives. Awesome, yeah. nice, yeah. lovely. So it would be fitting. Last year, I think he had a rehearsal for a play he was in, so he wasn't able to be with us, but I need to nudge him again, too. You know, that just, that reminds me that that poet's disclaimer is absolute crap. You know, everything that you think you've written that's absolute crap, you you don't know. There's no room for you to judge your own work. Yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't look at Waskar with his very like fascinating and interesting perspective on life and go, that that guy definitely struggled with, you know, mental illness or suicidality or something yeah. like that. You would never guess that. Yeah. And I don't I don't know if that's true for people looking at me on a stage. I don't know if people would ever think that because I'm I'm pretty open about my mental illness kind of struggles and things. Um, but honestly, like you just, you don't know yourself in the way that you are known to other people. Uh -huh. There's no way that you can know those things. Yeah. You may just look like the most interesting put together individual to the yeah. next person on the street. There's no way to say. And you can be very interesting and put together and have a whole bunch of crappy experiences in your life too. <laughs> Absolutely. And those are probably helping make you the person that you are. It's not required, but a good person. Yeah. Overcoming those things is definitely yeah. part of, of becoming a better person for yes sure. and for me i have said it many times and i keep saying it man when i'm in a hard time i want somebody who's been through some shit yeah because they're gonna get what's going on for me it's not gonna just be oh you'll feel better they're gonna go yeah this sucks man i know yeah. i know and they do well, those are the, those are the people that you need in your life man. acknowledging that the crap exists means that there are things that are not the crap mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the division of things yes the good and yes. the bad yes. only existing yeah. And my friend Beth Clark would say, you know, you got to take off your blinders so that you can see that. Day. Like, that's what I'm doing. I'm going home. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, she ended up in a hospital in Memphis before her mom transferred to Wichita. Yeah. Um, but she wanted to go to the beach. Mm -hmm. For sure, she wanted to go die at the beach. Mm -hmm. If she'd said it, I would have helped. Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. you know, I think she fucking knew mm -hmm. what was going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People are not all that different, I don't think. The whole thing of you guys not being able to see her, that was like, I, yeah. Mess. Yeah. Not going to lie. Yeah. I even, I, I went through a social worker because at some point I could tell that like the, like the tension in the room when I was in the room with her mom and her dad, or her stepdad, was disturbing her comfort because um, Jess could, she could tell. She'd just get real mobile. She'd start moving around and making noises and act like she was in more pain than when I wasn't there or when they weren't there. And so I went through a social worker to try to arrange to just be in the room by myself with her um, for an hour one day. And they did that kind of begrudgingly. Um, 
And then I spent five days before she passed away waiting for them to respond to the social worker again to tell me when I could come back and see them. It was just real messy. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that there's so much weird stuff around death, how people it's true. handle you know decisions they make before and after and it's like we're all gonna freaking die so let's make it as nice for everybody yeah, as possible. Absolutely. One, yeah. I don't know if you know this, but Jess went down to take care of her grandma when she was dying. And Jess's mom maybe showed up for two days, threw some money in the thing and decided she needed to go before her mom passed away also. Like yeah. she couldn't deal with that either. So who knows? Daniel says he's good to go, so I said I will Say that when we're starting, and then I'll be silent, and then we'll start. I know we're making a big shift of gears from your poem that you were starting to read. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Any, since we take a break, do you want any more coffee or water? Hmm. Doing all right, thank you. Or do you need to pee because you've had coffee more? <laughs> <laughs> I think I can make it twenty. Maybe, maybe. twenty-five minutes. Maybe twenty-five more minutes. Okay, here we go. You came back. I know, because Kyle's gone longer because it's a tire problem. Okay, I'm going to go quiet. Now. So after just a bit of silence, we're going to restart and hopefully give something that makes it easy to do the edit from this point forward. I don't know, obviously, exactly where we lost. I wasn't. I wasn't aware of that. Okay, so quiet and then start. So as always happens with Talk With Me, we're talking here and there and it's this natural conversation and you were, I noticed you were looking at your book. I, there was some poem that was drawing you in and I'm not sure exactly where it's headed, but we were talking about that whole thing about how we don't know people's experiences by what we see, what we assume. We don't know that we know anything about people, you know, honestly. And some stuff, you know, I always think of, because I'm really sensitive to, to gender and I have friends who are trans and friends who are gender nonconforming. And it's like, let's not make assumptions. And and I know it's hard. It's it's hard not not to I know in my brain, you know, it's like it's it's hard to un, undo things that were stuck in there. But anyway, so in terms of talking about the real things of people, there was a poem that you were really drawn to. Um, I think that you that was calling you to share it this very recording session, right? You know, um, there's a lot of stuff you can't tell just by looking at the face. Uh -huh. um, but one is that I have suffered from some kind of comparatively extreme for the rest of my, you know, experience with mental illness, but I've always struggled with kind of depression. I suddenly now have some anxiety, but for a little while I uh, experienced some strange schizophrenic episodes um, that came with this, this counting problem, um, which is, I think it's just a stress management mm -hmm. tool that is not very effective. Okay. Um, but that was, this is one of the few poems where I kind of talk more like specifically about that in, in more specific terms, which is what made me think of it. Mm -hmm.
advice to myself regarding rabbit holes. Know the numbers, but don't follow them. Don't let them ask you to chase them. Taste the meanings, but don't swallow them. Really roll them around on your tongue and properly taste them. I saw 37 red-tailed hawks on the way back to Lawrence from Wichita, which is nice and all, but 40 is more. Even 38 is more when you're tired from counting. You can't unknow the universe as it sprawls, meaning-filled, meaningful, out before you across the hills and plains of your geography. But you can stop yourself counting for now. A little short one. So that was something that was, like you're saying, was a kind of a coping mechanism for a point in your life. Yeah, you know, and I don't I don't know where it came from and it kind of disappeared as quickly as it came, but occasionally it'll jump back in my head. Mm -hmm. um, and when I was real stressed out driving back and forth from Wichita while Jess was sick, I I didn't have any other kind of coping mechanisms mm -hmm. that were taking care of it. So mm -hmm. so the counting came back. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I really did see 37. That's a lot of red tail hawks. That is quite a, a lot. Three hour drive, I uh -huh. guess. Um in March, I think it was in March. Yeah, but yeah, so, you know, you do what you can to get by yeah. sometimes and then you write about it so you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then when you share it, somebody else goes, yeah, me too, man. You know, I, it's, it's a thing that soothes me. You know, yeah. I have to do this routine before I walk out my door, whatever the things are, you know. Yeah. And, and my, my social work, side of me which is me you know I, I always think about you know we do things and they get us to the point we are in life and we need to honor those things absolutely yeah. I mean it may yeah. not have been the best coping mechanism um, if I'd had better tools maybe I would have employed those it's the best one you have at that time that's, that's what the I thing had. you know and so then you can get to a point where you go okay that that actually got me able to continue to this point and I, I'm glad that I was able to do that because I'm here. And now I'm looking for some new tools. You know? Absolutely. And so it's, to me, it's that thing of no shame, you know, no, no judging ourselves because we didn't have better tools then. We, we used what we had and then we can gather more along the path. Yeah. Well, and I mean, honestly, this is more about how that can be a useful tool. Mm -hmm. If you can't, if you don't chase it down the rabbit hole, letting yourself just count for a little while is okay mm -hmm. as long as you can get out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. if, if you get stuck there, that's no good, but yeah, but yeah, it, it served its purpose for sure. Yeah. 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 There are a I lot of rabbit, rabbit holes people go into, you know, oh, man. one friend who's got so much stressful stuff going on and she'll go into these tangents of, you know, researching this or that. And it's like, come back out of that because you yeah. know what? That isn't, actually helping you right now with what needs to happen is sometimes one of our challenges is how to focus on the things that are really important you know mm -hmm. and it's okay to take a break we all need breaks from from the hard oh, stuff for sure. we have to yeah. do but... if, if it's really relaxing to you to yeah. go down a wikipedia rabbit hole about a yes. particular thing yeah. and it kind of is i'm yeah. not gonna lie i've definitely done the same yes yes it's, that's a pleasant thing to do but yeah if it's if it's just doing to be doing and it's not productive yeah. or helpful, sometimes yeah. it's more about 
the processing that needs to be done and you're processing the wrong thing or mm -hmm. it's just a distraction from processing. And we need distractions. Our brains need rest. And part Absolutely. of how we do that is, is distractions when we can. Part of that is kind of like doing nothing, you know, staring yeah. at the clouds and just kind of <laughs> not thinking heavy thoughts. I enjoy to do nothing. That is also something. I do. It's great, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned when you were talking about the trunk of stuff uh, about art in addition to word art. So I'm wondering, are, are you still doing some other kinds of art? You know, honestly, um, not actively, no, but I, I do kind of just draw kitties on things. I mean, obviously, there's just there's a stack of books in front of me, and some of them have weird little sketchy things. I like making like words look pretty. And so some of my smoke, well, okay, here's another leftover from Jess thing. That's just part of what I do now, uh -huh. which is that the size of the paper kind of informs the things that you write sometimes. Uh -huh. um, and uh -huh. so sometimes only one word fits on a page and uh -huh. it's just, yes, damn. And it's just the, biggest most artistic damn you've ever written but that's just all you had to say today uh-huh and that's okay too yes. but yeah I still I do a little sketchy crap and I I don't know I curse it and I draw kitties on everything it's you know, just I like what it I do so do you have a certain kind of array of writing implements that you use depending on mm. what's coming out of you you know I definitely have favorites mm -hmm. I I like to write in color I had to quit writing in red um, if you look back to when my brain was most disorganized, the writing is also like physically disorganized on the page. Uh -huh. um, and when I was writing in red, I, I kind of wrote just angry things. And so I like, I like to choose colors properly. Uh -huh. um, but I do have favorite implements for sure. I like to write in Sharpie, um, which means that I have to have either a lot of space or a tiny little Sharpie. Uh -huh. um, but the paper texture is important too. Yes. I mean, all of those things—they're yeah. yeah. all yeah. yeah. This this notebook is—it's um, got the cross hatching, uh -huh. and Jess was absolutely convinced that that means it's destined to get soaking wet, and she was not wrong. It's it's the only <laughs> notebook I've ever dropped in a puddle. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I don't know if that's just superstitious or if it's true. So, what about cross hatching? Tracks water. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It maybe it's because like I don't know the line. I don't like lined paper either. I don't particularly like to write on lined paper. Uh -huh. it feels constricting and constraining in a way that's unpleasant. Um, but yeah, so maybe it's just the fact that it has things that can get destroyed by water, just inherent to its own self and its construction. Because <laughs> those little cross hatches, they just they bleed really easy with you can when you get them wet. Oh, so yeah. not just the ink, but the actual mm -hmm. print on the paper. Yeah. So it's a good thing there's no crosshatch on your phone, right? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, yeah, I'm just gonna knock on wood about phone lock right now. I'm just gonna do that. <laughs> I will tell you that I finally, on my birthday in April this year, finally replaced my iPhone four that I'd had uh -huh. since 2011 because my brother Harold and other people kept telling me you like to take pictures the camera is so much better on a newer phone you, you know it's like yeah a newer phone so okay so you buy a new phone the first day I had it I oh. dropped it in water mm. okay oh. so but it seemed to not I hit I had it in my little otter case so that you know yeah. but those little connections are open at the bottom 
I stuck it in a bag of rice as people do. And I just thought, I'm going to just see what happens. And I haven't had any problem with it. I, it probably still shows up if I ever took it to an iPhone store that'd say, you got it in water. We can't do anything for you because they do that. You know, they have chips. Oh my gosh, now you said it out loud on the radio. Oh <laughs> Conspiracy theories. <laughs> iPhones can tell if they've been wet. It's true though. That's a real thing. And speaking of conspiracy theories, since I'm sitting in front of my freaking Mac laptop, which actually I like in so many other ways, my screen is really cloudy. I'm okay. like, what is wrong with my screen? So I'm saying this to Kyle and he looks and he's like, it's a thing with Mac Pros of a certain vintage and they have made a very, very clear effort to not promote this, but you can go to a Mac store, whatever they're called, and they will replace the screen free of charge because Ooh. it's a design flaw. It's something I mean, that's just generally good to know. Yeah. yeah. So if you have a Mac laptop, a Mac Pro, I don't remember all the vintages that are what time span it is. But if you got this cloudy stuff that maybe started around the edge and then it's in other places and you wonder why is your screen so dirty and you realize it's mm -hmm. not dirty. So think about if you want to be without your Mac laptop long enough for them to replace the screen, which is why mine hasn't been replaced. <laughs> Though, but yeah, I noticed it because I do it. video calls with yeah, some people. Yes. I like that. And it's like, why Why is my image always so <clears> fuzzy? <throat> it's like, it has that crap on my screen, too. It affects the, yeah. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Very minor problems in the big scope of things. You know, that's the thing I well, get back to. I, that's true, but also, like... <laughs> The thing that you were saying about how, like, so many of the people that you know now are not people that you know in person. Yes. Like, technology is important for that connection yes. to even exist. Yes. If, it, if I didn't have a phone that I could use Facebook on, I wouldn't know anything about anybody who didn't live right next to me. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. You know? If I don't run into you in person, then sorry. So all kinds of things we can talk about. And I'm going to ask one of my sort of standard questions. So the poetry, you've been you've been writing poetry since you were a kid. Obviously, yeah. I mean. Did, did you have stories too? Were there other kinds of writing you were doing way back then? I was 13 when I tried to write a novel. It was terrible. It was, yeah, it's about horses again. I really wanted a horse at that age. Um, but yeah, I still, I do write stories still, actually, um, short stories. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I have any with me. I can look. I, um, my grandma on my dad's side was a minister and she was a storyteller. That's awesome. A woman minister. And a chiropractor and an acupuncturist. Wow. Mm, I would say a bad musician, but also a musician <laughs> and a poet. She, she was a real stellar lady. Mm -hmm. Um, and she came from this part of the world where, you know, they, they just kind of tell stories in this particular way. Uh -huh. um, and I, I don't know if I have the, the thing that I wrote about that particular thing, but she passed away several summers ago. And uh, I don't know. I think she informed a lot of my kind of worldview uh -huh. as I was growing up. And uh -huh. so, yeah, she, she kind of had an impact on how I tell stories for sure. But uh -huh. also the fact that I do tell stories uh -huh. and that I love stories. Yeah. Um, I just love stories. Did she tell, tell you story. stories like when you were a little kid? Was was like were you aware? Of, was there a grandma's telling a story versus grandma's just talking, or was it all just grandma? It, you know, it's hard to say. Yeah, I I don't think it was like a conscious thing initially, but it, I don't know. I 
I hear like family stories, right? The family stories, but then those kind of turn into like these larger kind of epic stories um, with I, everyone's a little bit larger than life uh -huh. in the Ozarks when you talk about them several years later. And so I, I did get the kind of the fantastical element of, nice. of how storytelling works. Nice. Um, I think from that part of my family. Uh -huh. Which is such a gift because I think about in my own family, my grandparents, I only knew my maternal grandparents, but they were immigrants and they, my grandfather, there was not, he didn't want to talk about home. You know, so we didn't we didn't get to learn a lot of the things that it would have been really cool to know, you know, sort of what his life had been like and, you know, what his family was like and that kind of stuff. That was kind of locked up. And I think for different people, people who have family who were maybe like in World War II or something like that, that generation, a lot of those people, they're they're not telling their stories, you know. I different. had a relative who was in the Bataan Death March and mm -hmm. refused to talk about it, that uh -huh. kind of thing, you uh -huh. know, just mm -mm, better things to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the rest of my family, um, I mean, my dad's an old farm boy and mm -hmm. at heart, uh -huh. and he, he likes to sit around and chat. That always turns into stories uh -huh. if you're sitting around with some old farmers. Yeah. So I think that's awesome. I think maybe we're all just. Well, that oral tradition, that, that's really, really helpful. One of my, and I keep bugging this person about it, it hasn't happened yet. So this this wonderful poet, Scott Silsby, and we're talking, and he has this poem, and I always get the name of it wrong, but, but the poem is about older poets telling stories to younger poets. And so Scott and I were talking about this. It's like, Scott, you have to be the editor of an anthology that mm. is younger st poets telling stories of older poets telling stories of poets, you know? And this multi-generational storytelling thing through poetry. Because I think about, like, I adore Jim McCrary, who is a poet here in Lawrence, Kansas. Mm. Jim is one of the co-curators of the Taproom Poetry Series. Oh, Jim yes. is a poet mm. who's been a poet who's been writing and sharing since the 60s. He's this wonderful, amazing person. And he was he was a young uh, guy working for William S. Burroughs. And, you know, he has he he you know, so that means he had experiences with Allen Ginsberg, you know, experiences with Hunter S. Thompson and with Kurt Cobain and all these different people who came to Lawrence um, or who, who he and who Jim and William S. Burroughs traveled to see in different places. This amazing, amazing oral tradition. And so it's like we need we need these stories, man. We need to we need to save them, not just hear them when we can. Yeah, so. that seems yeah. So Scott Silsby, where's this anthology? How's it coming along? <laughs> Mind if I bother you about that anthology one more time? I do it periodically. Yeah, I do it on poke. Facebook. I do it in the podcast. Like, yeah, um, someday sir. Scott's gonna do this anthology. It's gonna be so awesome, man. <laughs> At this point, he's literally just like, oh, shut I mean, up already. Done, Maybe I'll so. do it to get her to shut up. <laughs> yeah. Well, we probably have time for one more reading of whatever kind in terms of where we are with all these wanderings we've made. Um, so whatever you would like to share would be wonderful. Uh, I did just literally find one of the little stories that Alrighty. I read about my grams. All right. Um, just my dad's mom. 
uh, I mean, I don't go for it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> My Gramps wrote a book. It's in a style that might be called high country that evokes the dirt floors of the homes where those hill people grew up in Missouri. And secondarily, the community's newspaper column her mother wrote for, for the local paper. I also write in this style often where there's a lot of descriptive language and imagery followed by an unmistakable point, plot twist, hilarious anecdote, moral invective. This is our version of narrative. Things make sense. We all end up at the same conclusion. Our audience can be thought to generally share our same values. Her sermons were also often written in the same style. I loved hearing her speak publicly in a calm and yet stridently confident voice, gently and firmly guiding you along like that knuckle between your scapula that fixes your posture. There was no separation between her lives as a minister and as a chiropractor, as is fitting for someone who strove always to walk gracefully upright and also righteously in grace. Beautiful. Tribute to Grams. Gasman Grams. Yeah. Awesome. 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 So we've been here and there. We just visited the Ozarks, I guess. (laughs) We've done one everywhere, I think. Yeah. I mean, if we haven't talked about it yet, I can't imagine why we didn't. Yeah. So then I say to our listeners, if you're in the Lawrence, Kansas area, come to these things. If you aren't in Lawrence, Kansas area and want to ask me how to do these things where you are, ask me, man. You know how to reach me through the Talk With Me page. You may know how to reach me other ways. Um, So (laughs) September 10th is Words Saves Lives at Lawrence Creates Makerspace here in Lawrence, Kansas, 9th and New Jersey. Monday, the 10th of September, 6 through 10. There are going to be a lot of different arts represented. A lot of people. Everybody's welcome. All ages, all everything. Nice. You must be nice. <laughs> That's the barrier there, okay? Yeah. Um, nice. September 10th. Whoops. My phone says, I don't know how to make it. Shut up. Shut up, phone. <laughs> I mean, it's got something to say that's real important, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> that took a long time. Gotta, I'm pressing cancel. I'm pressing pause. I'm pressing shut up. Okay. <laughs> uh, back to what I really want to say. And hey, you know, that's real life. I don't know how to use my phone. Okay. Just learn that. <laughs> Word Save Lives on September 10th, Thursday, October 11th, here in Lawrence. Epic poetry at Lucia Beer Garden, which includes people from Lawrence, Kansas, Macy Webb and Barry Barnes, and three from Epic Rights Press, Wolfgang Carstens, Rob Plath, and Todd Cirillo. That is going to be awesome. And that is a prelude to the whole KC event called Fountainverse KC, as in Kansas City, Small Press Poetry Fest, October 12th through 14th. Awesomeness. Go if you can. Create poetic wonderfulness wherever you are. If you can't be here, you know, that stuff. And then the weekend that we didn't really talk about, October 19th, 20th, James Lassine and Ryan Amador, who have this thing called Future Perfect, they do workshops, song, writing, and storytelling for queer youth. They are coming to Lawrence, Kansas to do a workshop for youth around here. And the night before that, Friday the 19th of October, they're going to do a little performance night. Some of the writing that, that James does, he will be performing from. Some of the songwriting that Ryan does, he will be performing. 
there's awesomeness going on here. Make awesomeness happen wherever you are. Thank you, Macy, for oh, doing my this. My pleasure, for sure. It's a blast. I appreciate the invite. Yeah. yeah. Macy Webb. Macy Webb, look for her on that Svensk Apache. Yeah, and that really is what it's called, Svensk, like kind of Swedish, Apache as in Indian. There's a story about that, but I won't go into that now. Um, poetry blog, she has two poems there. Thank you, Yana Carlson, for that. Thank you, Daniel Smith, for producing this show. It takes some tech magic, lots of cooperation of various technologies to do these shows so people can hear them, which is what we want. Yay, yay, yay. Thank you, <laughs> listeners, for joining us. Uh, enjoy this. Enjoy life. and Find those highlights because that's what gets us through the crap. So long, and we'll be talking again.